Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I'm really excited to talk some ways this morning or this afternoon about how to make your fabric really sing in a block. And I have an expert who does this with her quilts all the time. Toby Lishko is an author, designer. She's a regular contributor to the American Patchwork and Family magazines, um, besides lots of other places. So you will have seen her work. And Toby's new book called Kaleido Stars is fabulous. Toby, thanks for being here. Well, hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me. You know, you have a very rich background of quilt making. You started um, a little while ago, a few years back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, a few. <laughs> a few. Uh, so, you know, you, you told me you started quilting with your mom. Your, and, um, you know, can you, can you believe how quilting has changed? Oh, my gosh, it's changed so much. I was so excited to put three fabrics together when I first started quilting, a light and a medium and a dark, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's so many fabrics today to pick from. There's more than light, medium, dark you put in quilts. Yeah, and there weren't many choices back, um, you know, even 20 years ago to make quilts with. No, there weren't. This fabric selection now is unbelievable. <laughs> and that's where I just love what you do. You have got such a knack for just, you know, you look at the blocks and you're like, whoa, how'd that happen? Um, tell me, tell me about, you have, your books are actually kind of a series. Tell me about that. Well, my first one I did, um, it was called St. Louis Stars and I did it with the Kansas City Star. Um, publishing, and it was about an eight-point start. It had no Y themes, but coming from St. Louis, I thought that would be the perfect book to start with. And it was just about fussy cutting fabrics. Uh, it, there's a kite shape in the middle of the block, and I just fussy cut the fabrics to just kind of create interesting designs in the center of the block. Um, the second one, which just came out in February, is through AQS, and it's called Kaleida Stars. And in that one, I specifically wanted to use just symmetrical fabrics. I just think they're so interesting to work with. And, again, it's an eight-point star that has no Y seams. It goes together very easily. And the fabrics speak for the block. It's, a, it's what makes the block sing, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about that because, it's um, you know, the block would be totally different if you weren't using certain types of fabric. Um, tell me what to look for. Okay, well, a symmetrical fabric is one that if you were to draw an imaginary line down the center of one of the designs, it's exactly the same on both sides. Like a butterfly, is symmetrical. So mm -hmm. I look for fabrics like that um, specifically to design with because each time you move your template that you use to make the center, it creates a whole different design. So it's just like looking through one of those kaleidoscopes when we were a kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're so fun, too. They just, you could just look at them for hours. Um, how do you shop for this kind of fabric, Toby? Because, you know, there must be, are there like certain designers that create more of these, or is it just sort of random? Well, no, there are some specific designers I like to work with. Paula Nadelstern does 
wonderful symmetrical fabrics, and I, mm-hmm. I work with her on making quilts with her fabric collections. And Jason Yenter does a lot of symmetrical stuff. So does um, Jenny Beyer. And uh, Tula Pink is another great fabric for symmetrical fabrics. Yeah, I actually just heard her talk, and she was actually, that's how she designed. She, like, draws one half and then flips it over to get the other half, often that they're, you know, identical. So pretty pretty interesting. Um, now, when you're looking, is there, should the patterns be small? Should they be big? Does it matter for this type of thing? Well, I have different size templates. So I have a large uh, block that's a 17-inch block. So I want to have a pretty big uh, design to put in that. Otherwise, if it's too small, it gets lost in that diamond shape in the center. But I also have a 13-inch and a, a six-and-a-half-inch template. So you can use different scale prints for each one of those different size templates. It's usually just take the t- – sometimes I take the template along to see what it's going to fit, how it's going to fit with that mm-hmm. fabric, um, just so I can uh, see the scale of it with my design. Ah, so what is this um, no Y-seam thing that you have going on? <laughs> well, I, I don't mind doing Y-seams, but I know there are a lot yeah. of people that, that hate Y-seams. And yeah. um, so I pick these stars that are pieced in sections. They're pieced, the St. Louis star was pieced in eight. And then you just sew the baits together to fours and uh, halves, and you know. And it's the same thing with the Kaleidostar. It's pieced in eight. Uh, the pieces fit together like a puzzle. You press a certain direction, everything kind of fits together. The templates are made so there's no guesswork. All the little corners are cut off, and and it just fits together so easily, especially when you use templates to make it a lot more accurate. Now, how many different um, fabrics will you put into one of your Kaleidostar quilts? Well, I've used one. I, you can use, I mean, you can use as many as you want. You can use right. different ones in each block. But I've, I've, in the book, I have using one, two, or three different symmetrical fabrics. And there's different ways you can turn the fabrics in the center of the block, even with one fabric, to create different designs. And you can use two different places on the fabric to cut out to create, you know, four and four in the center of the block. So you can play with the metrical fabrics in different ways to create different kinds of effects. That's now, do you the have fun a tr- of it. That's, I know, <laughs> that is the fun. Do you, do you have a little trick for how to envision it without cutting up the fabric? Well, I do use a, a set of mirrors. Marty Michelle makes a great set of mirrors. They're six inches square, and they're just taped together like with duct tape or something. And I set them at the angle that I'm going to look at, like the, the stars are at a 45-degree angle. So I set my mirror with a little piece of tape at that 45-degree angle, and then I can move it up and down the center of that symmetrical design, and each time I move it, it's going to show a different, different look. Um, and so it's kind of fun. I do have a video with AQS. Uh, it's a, on my Kaleidostars class on, based on my book, and it shows in the class how to use the mirrors to find all those little neat designs in your fabrics. Oh, that's really great. Toby, where is, where is those classes at? They're online, right? Yeah, they're online. At, it's called iQuilt through AQS. Okay. Fair. And do you also teach this in person? Oh, yeah, I teach. This is one of my favorite <laughs> classes to teach because when people take it, they they feel like they're creating something that's unique. You know, they're not just making a copy of my quilt because right. it's easy to just make somebody else's quilt. But they, they the fabrics they pick 
uh, and the designs they put together, when they leave class, they, they want to go home and finish it because they're creating their own unique designs. Yeah. You know, I want to I wanna pop in a fun question for you here because, uh, you know, I, I like to find out about people's stuff, you know. So <laughs> what is your oldest sewing basket? Do you have well, any old ones? <laughs> uh, well, I, I started sewing when I was 11. My mother's a home ec teacher, so I have a feeling that it's about 47 years old yeah. or something like that. I it might be 50 years old. I don't know. But uh, I still have some old snaps in there, I think, from clothes I used to make. But since I started quilting, I don't make clothes anymore. Right. <laughs> I don't either. That's like, uh, <laughs> I've tried a little bit here and there, but not, not lately. Uh, now, I, I want to have you tell a story um, be, uh, about entering your first quilt in a show because you do competition quilts. You like to enter into the shows. Um, when you did the, when you the very first time you entered a quilt into a show, uh, what happened? Well, actually, the first quilt I entered it was in the Hoffman Challenge Show in 1998, oh, um, okay. and uh, and it was accepted back then. And the following year, I won a second place prize. But after that, I just started entering shows all the time because I just thought it was fun. <laughs> Yeah. So, and actually, my first one was a fussy cut that I entered in Hoffman Challenge. Was a fussy cut uh, uh, nosegay pattern. But uh, my biggest accomplishment was in 2005 when I entered a quilt into the AQS show in Paducah, Kentucky. It was called oh. Celestial Stars, and it was also fussy cut. And uh, it may I made a, I got a first place prize ribbon, ribbon on that. So I, I'm very thrilled about that quilt. It's my pride and joy. Oh, my gosh. So do, were you surprised when you heard you'd gotten a first place? Oh, yeah. I was working. I, my background's in special education, so I was working full-time and my job. And a friend of mine went in early, and she called me, and she said, oh, you won a prize. I was so excited. I said, what did I win? She said, you won second place. And I said, oh, wonderful. I was so excited just to have it in the show. And then she, got, she teased me. She said, no, you didn't. I, What's it, what do you mean? She says, you won first place. And I couldn't concentrate the rest of the day at work. Luckily, I was in my office, and nobody, I didn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What a tease your friend was. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, <she> was. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Toby, you do a lot of teaching and you have, you know, the class online, but you also have videos. And um, what 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 is one of the ones that a lot of people like to watch of your videos? Well, I think that my the best video to watch is uh, my quarter-inch seam allowance. And, you know, when I teach classes, I always tell people that there's a mysterious scant quarter-inch. Nobody really knows what that is because it's not really a mathematical measurement. And when if you ever do exchange blocks, everybody's block is a different size. So nobody knows what that scant quarter-inch is. So in my video, it's through AQS, I show how to get an accurate quarter-inch. I have a little bitty seam guide that I designed. It has a hole in it, a quarter of an inch. And you put your needle, you move the needle all the way to the right because I want to see the edge of my fabric and um, outside of my foot because I never knew where it was when it was under the foot. Mm-hmm. And you put your needle to the right, put your needle in the hole in this guide, and then you use a piece of Dr. Foles, uh, some kind of mole foam or foam pad mm-hmm. or something, and you put it next to the guide. And so every time I sew if my the edge of my fabric touching that guide, it's going to be exactly a quarter of an inch, and all my blocks are going to end up the size I want them to end up. 
it's a great it's a great video. Everybody has to go out and and check it out. So, Toby, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it. I know it goes it goes fast, doesn't it? Let me uh, give your it, website. People can find you at gatewayquiltsandstuff.com, where you write yep. and have all the different things that you do. Yep, I, I appreciate that. So we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about very colorful quilts with Sharon McConnell of Color Girl. So it's going to be a lot of uh, wonderful, fun things today here at my talk show. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash million pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt, a one block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and this is brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Um, if you are out reading their um, articles on blog.modafabrics.com, you can find all kinds of inspirations, and they show you what I really like lately is how they're always showing you how the different lines work together so that you get this sort of vibe that you know nothing has to be sort of stuck in one place. Uh, when you're working with Moda Fabrics, you can cross over this designer, that designer, their basics, and I love when they show that. This is a very... Um, uh, fabric focused um, show today because we're talking sort of deep dive onto how fabric works and Sharon McConnell of Color Girl is a perfect one to be talking to. Her quilts just sing with color. She is expert at putting things together, fabrics together that I just love and we are going to learn some more. So thank you Sharon for being here. Thanks for inviting me Pat. You know, um, tell me some a little backstory. Um, when did you start creating your own quilt patterns? Um, well, I pretty much did right from the very beginning of quilting. I discovered that I 
you always wanted to put my own spin on whatever I was, whatever I was creating. Um, but I wrote my first pattern a couple of years ago uh, when my local shop owner really liked a quilt that I had made and wanted me to teach a class for it. Mm-hmm. But since I had created it, there wasn't a, a pattern. So I, I created a pattern and, and taught the class. And that was fun. And it was exciting to share my own designs and see what people did with them. And mm-hmm. kind of everything went from there. And yeah, now, I've, it, now I've written lots and lots of patterns. Oh, yeah. You have. And they're gorgeous. I just love how you combine your fabrics. I mean, I just, I, mean, I could just keep looking at them and say, okay, now this is how she put that next to that. And it's just so neat. Describe a little bit about how, you know, sort of your style of getting ready to make a quilt because your fabric combos are so awesome. How do you go about doing that? Well, I think I'm a little bit unique in that I don't buy fabric for a specific project. I tend to collect fabric. Um, and like put it in groups. I like so, I mean, you. I know everybody says I collect fabric rather than stash or board or anything. Yeah. But so like I have different bins in my sewing room or my stash. And if I find like if I'm out shopping and I find a, a print that I really like, um, I might start with that and then just start one of my collections. And from shop to shop or, you know, here and there, I'll pick up a piece that kind of goes with that, that group and throw it in that bin. And they mm-hmm. collect for a little while. And then um, if there's something in my sketchbook that I decide I really want to make, then I'll go to one of those bins and say, okay, this is going to be, this fabric is going to go for this quilt. So I, I maybe that's why uh, some of my combinations are a little bit unexpected because I'm not matching stuff per se. Like it's all like seeing things in separate, like the fabric is going to be at home when I'm buying more fabric to go in that right. collection. It doesn't match perfectly, mm-hmm. but um, I usually just kind of like, okay, I'm going for olive green and turquoise. So I'm going to look for prints like that or, um, and then they, it's kind of a funny way of doing it, but it, it kind of makes it fun for me. Yeah. And I think that you have a very, uh, a, a good, eye for the colors because it there there some of them are a little bit what people might call scrappy because you have a lot of variety of fabrics so oh yeah that's definitely my favorite yeah Yeah. so you might pull like a whole bunch of background prints and you know do you do you start with way more than you're going to use and then cull it down as you go actually i usually start more limited and I get looser as I go so (laughs) which is kind of funny so um just like I think a lot of people like pull a group of fabric and say okay this is this is my palette for this project Mm -hmm. and I'll start out a little bit restricted Mm -hmm. and then as I'm making blocks or components of blocks I'll think oh you know I'm just gonna throw this one in there let's add a little bit of this um so I've noticed that uh, for quilts that I make fairly quickly, they're a mm-hmm. lot more restrained than quilts that I work on over, and like that I pick up and put down over a long period of time because I tend to start throwing more at it. Ah. Yeah, and that's the so. fun part. You know, you also um, use a lot of, 
well, I can use the word fun again, a lot of fun fabrics. Like you, you have fabrics with images and these different things in them. Um, and you had uh, written about, you know, how that creates texture and how that makes a quilt more interesting. What what can you what can you help somebody with? You got like some tips to help somebody who wants to put you know these fun fabrics in, but is unsure how to make it look good. Well, I think I think one way to start if you're if you're really intimidated by it is to maybe choose um, something like a focus fabric, which is a print that has a lot of colors and pattern, and then use that as a springboard for choosing more tone on tone prints or solids that kind of coordinate with that. And I think the more you mix and kind of take the attitude of anything goes, the more, Mm -hmm. and then you see how that looks, the more confident you get. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My mom is an amazing quilter. She's kind of what, what got me going on it. And she's super fearless about putting every, you know, anything (laughs) together. Yeah. And her quilts are fabulous. Like, I look at them and I just think, oh, my gosh, I never would have put those fabrics together, but I love how this looks. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, she's she pretty much just is, like, anything goes. Um, one thing she said to me once was, like, if you're looking at fabrics and colors and you think something doesn't go, just add more of it. Yeah. And I think, and I think you know, that actually... Is like especially if you're going for a scrappy look and you think, oh, mm-hmm. you know, this color just isn't quite right. Mm-hmm. But if you add more of it, or maybe add some within the same kind of family or tonal range, mm-hmm. um, then it kind of balances it out, and you end up with that kind of eclectic look. Um, and well, you, I, you know, it does take a little a little practice. Like your pattern, I was looking at that on, on your website, Color Girl Quilts. You people can actually go into each of your patterns. You have some close-up photos. And I was looking at Hula Girl and Gossamer, that both have um, a lot of different fabrics, so people can see how yeah. you've put them together. Yeah, I I love those two um, because of the scrappy look. At those are both a combination of lots of scrappy prints, but then with bright solids that kind of stand mm-hmm. out from the, the scrappy prints. And right, yeah. I think that's a fun, a fun strategy to do, too. They're, those two are very effective. I mean, because you're, I think because your solids aren't as, aren't big, big pieces, but they're mm-hmm. so unified that they create this secondary image. It's really well done. I, I like you. them. I, I want to <laughs> yeah, go make them. <laughs> yeah, those are two fun ones. Hula Girl is the first pattern that I've done um, that I've released that involves the paper foundation piecing, um, which I know, like, it, it seems like that's something that either love it or hate it. <laughs> but I, I personally think paper foundation piecing is really fun. But the Hula Girl pattern is a great introduction to that if for somebody who's not sure if that's that's something that they they like or if they want to just try and learn it because it it looks kind of intricate and difficult but the the piecing is actually really simple uh-huh. so i think a lot of my a lot of my quilts are like that the people look at them and they're like mm, yeah that looks really hard yeah. and they're not as much as they look they're not as difficult as they look so that's one so of my you, secrets <laughs> you also told you also told me a fun uh, a fun story Sharon that I'd, I'd love for you to share about how you uh, met your best quilting friend 
Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So I have a little boy who's 10 now, but when he was in kindergarten, he was in the same class um, with a boy that he made friends with, and we had him over for his birthday party, and his mom came and saw my quilts, and she said, oh, man, I would love to learn how to do that because my older son is going to graduate from high school. I'd love to make him a T-shirt quilt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're, you know, as quilters, you always, like, hear people are like, oh, I would love to know how to do that, and... But pe- mm-hmm. most people don't really follow through or, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of wishful. But we so but we actually did. Like, we had a standing Sunday sewing date for, like, a year where <laughs> I, I taught her. Like, I mean, she had never sewn. She would never used a rotary cutter, never done anything, wow. like, at all. So we went yeah. shopping to buy, like, all the basic stuff that she needed and got started. And every Sunday morning... Um, she would, well, at that time she didn't have a sewing machine. So she came over to my house and, um, would use one of mine and we, we made that quilt start to finish and she was totally hooked. So, uh, we, we keep going with our Sunday. Sometimes it's Saturday now with kids and activities and doing stuff, but, um, as much as we can, but now we're also just like fabulous friends. And so it's, it's a pretty amazing, I think just how, What's her, would have what's her name? What's her first name? Her name is Risa. Uh, say wave to her. Hey. That's yes. A, hey, how, Risa. Yes. And you just never she just know. Lives a, you never know when you teach somebody else blocks away, a so. skill. Oh, I know. Yeah. And so we, you know, share fabric, and she, I pass along a lot of my magazines when I'm finished with them. So you know, she loves that inspiration and. She's she's um, just told me yesterday that she wants to try curved piecing. So we're gonna we're gonna which of course is my favorite thing. Yeah. So she's like, okay, yeah, we're gonna do curved piecing. That'll be awesome. <laughs> well, we have about thirty seconds, Sharon. I want to tell people that they can find many of your designs and quilts in our quilts and more magazines. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, you're teaching also, like, locally right now, but you're looking to expand yeah. later? Yeah. I mean, I would love to do more. We'll kind of mm-hmm. see where that goes. Um, I teach at a local shop called Quilt Beginning, and uh, I'm doing a few trunk shows around the country for um, shops that are interested in, in displaying my quilts that go with my patterns. So that's kind of exciting and, and fun to Fabulous. see them popping up. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Sharon, so. for being here. Thank you for the invitation. It's great, Pat. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com.
take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's Talk Show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I am a huge fan of Amy Gibson's work. Uh, she's been on the show several times. She's a popular online teacher at Craftsy, and we, we, she, <laughs> taking credit for Amy's book. Uh, Amy has a new book called The Quilt Block Cookbook, which is fantastic. I love that name, Amy. That was the best Thank name you. ever. <laughs> I'm so glad you like it. (laughs) I do. It's got 50 blocks, seven sampler quilts, and, of course, endless possibilities per the title. Um, (laughs) So let's let's talk a little bit about what – how people would use a book like this because it's like almost like a reference book a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is almost like a reference book. It's really – Versatile. I mean, there are the 50 block patterns um, and the samplers, but it's kind of also just a guide of uh, kind of breaking down my block design sort of style and technique of working with block grids um, and sort of how to build or cook up um, your own blocks, your own quilt, um, included really extensive cutting measurements for all of the units in the book in six different sizes. So you can, you know, kind of, yeah, and just use it as a reference book for even a project that's not a sampler block or not even a block from the book. If you're just making, you know, just making something up on your own, you can refer back to, I mean, I can't remember, 75 units. Well, that's really, that's really wild because, you know the, the 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 fact that they're units, so they're like these small mm-hmm. parts that you mm-hmm. assemble to create unique blocks. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of you know a zillion ways that blocks are put together. But I just love working with grids. Um, when I make blocks, it just sort of makes sense, you know, in my head, and um, that's how I've always approached them. And so that's kind of the approach that I took in the book to sort of empower people to, um, you know, take control of that grid and use it as a starting place for plugging blocks in and kind of making up, you know, cooking up your own designs or, you know, making the 50 blocks in the book or one of the quilts or use blocks that you already have and plug them into one of the samplers. Um, you know, there's, tons of different ways to use it and that's kind of what I love about it it's just a really helpful uh resource so I'm so excited <laughs> that it's finally out oh my gosh you know I want to I want to sort of talk through one of them just uh, visually yeah. you know um starboard sure. because describe how yeah. you lay out the 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 you have a first page which has on this one pie crust and blueberries uh besides the block uh, <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but Starboard has right. actually how many units? Uh, There's three, I, I think, unique units. Not, I think it's a three by three. I'm opening yeah. up my cup here. Yeah, I think so. Oh, here we are. Yes. Yeah. So it's a three by three unit. So essentially what we would call like a nine patch, um, nine equal units. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's in the three by three grid. Um 
you know, so basically, like if someone took this, Amy, and they decided, well, instead of the square and the square kind of, you know, or the economy mm-hmm. block or whatever you call it in the middle, they could take another mm-hmm. unit from the book. Exactly. Yeah. They could slot in any other unit from the book um, into any spot in any of the blocks. So, you know, I can demonstrate this in the intro. In the corners, you could simply, you know, you know, if. If the units that I have in the in the pattern in the book have curves and you're not into curves or they're applique petals and, you know, you don't have the zigzag stitch or you don't feel like doing applique, you can totally sub them out with anything else. I mean, all of the units fit, um, you know, because I have sizing in there for every size. So you can just sub things in and kind of customize it to what you like or techniques that are easier or, you know, just more enjoyable for you. Uh, it's really kind of a playbook. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, you know what I mean? Sort of empower, I want to empower people to start having some fun making things up uh, on their own with this sort of concept of the unit style block. So, Well, you've always done very creative blocks. You know, ever since I started, you know, met you and saw your work, you always have things mm-hmm. that are just not, you know, you take like it's something traditional, but it's got an extra bit to it or an extra unit or way it's done. Um, how do you think that up, Amy? <laughs> That's a, it's a gift. <laughs> it's a play. Um, I work with the EQ a lot, um, the software. So that's really helpful because I can really just fiddle lines, which is a Really quickly, really easy. Um, you know, but you're right. I, I could usually start with a traditional kind of inspiration. That's typically kind of where I start, and then I just kind of go from there. Like, what can I change? How can I sort of make this more dynamic or make it more modern or, you know, make it a little bit cleaner looking? Um, you know, it's all just play, you know, and then after a while, I just eventually stumble onto a design that kind of pops, you know, off the screen at me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, you know, just play. Now, you do a lot of what I would call samplers. You know, this one is is Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. same way. Um, I do. So, so when, when you're doing the samplers, are you envisioning where or how the blocks will be laid out? as you're sort of mm-hmm. designing or does that come like at the end for you after you have them then it does then a layout yeah. comes later right usually it comes at the end for me um i usually and and i don't i don't exactly know why that is i don't know if it's because it makes just more sense or just because i i just i dive in and start doing the blocks immediately and then the layout usually comes afterwards just because I don't know, over the course of making the blocks, I might change my mind <laughs> of <laughs> what layout I want. So, you know, and sometimes I just literally lay them out and just it's really organic, you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of just see how they look after I've made them, you know. They'll tell me how they want to be how they right. want to be arranged, you know. So tell me about some of the layouts in the book because they're all very creative. Do they all use the same mm-hmm. number of final blocks? You no, know, they all use different numbers of blocks, which I kind of did on purpose because 
Some have 12, which is great for like a, a year-long sampler. Some of them have 16. Um, one of the quilts, um, the largest one actually, it's called Full Scale, only has six blocks. Um, it's this huge quilt. I'm trying, I can't remember if it's like 100 and, let's see, how big is this one? 96 by 120. So it's this really big bed-sized quilt. And it has a lot of solids in it. It has this really cool geometric design with kind of negative space, but just six blocks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could take, like, everybody has six blocks. They just haven't done anything with. So I, like, I kind of was trying to push the limits a little bit. You know, how how far could we, you know, uh, make the most of the blocks? You know what I mean? Kind mm-hmm. of uh, get, a, get a lot of, you know, bang for your buck kind of. So, yeah, some of them are kind of crazy. <laughs> some of them are no, more traditional, you, but. <laughs> when you were doing those layouts, Amy, did did you have mm-hmm. one where you were like, wow, that is, that's like my new favorite layout after you did oh, it? Because they're all yeah. really unique. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't know. I love them all so much in different ways. There's one called <laughs> Off. You're not allowed is, to say that. You have to pick one. That's all. I know. They're so different. They're so different. And, you know, they were a lot of fun to make. I think off the grill, or off the grill. <laughs> I was thinking food. No, off the grill um, has an easy background and kind of those bright sort of neon fashion strips that are coming out. Because, it, yeah. I don't know, it feels unexpected to me. It's my, you know, the trashing and cornerstones kind of layout, but, you know, off-centered, so it's asymmetrical, and the colors are kind of funky, like unexpected, and I don't know. It just feels, I like it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's I like, like the it, perfect too. Combo I like it, of like too. It's very stunning. Funky, it's sort of like, wow, know? that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just interesting. Yeah. So, peep, this is out. This is published now, right? Because you were doing a blog tour, yes. also or book tour, rather. Yes, yes, right. Yeah, we just wrapped that up. So the book is out. It's in stores and online. So, yeah, it's it's out. People can get it, and um, you know, I've been seeing a lot of really fun things popping up on Instagram. People already starting. I've had some people, like, the first week it came out, they had, like, an entire sampler done with all the blocks. I'm like, you guys are so fast, you know? So, oh, my uh, gosh. What's, um, what hashtag are people using? So, uh, We're using the Quilt Block Cookbook. This okay. hashtag, so everybody can tag their stuff. And then we can also check out the me quilty photos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really I love fun. seeing what other people do when you have something like this that is so, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a little bit more creative because people, you know, you've teaching right. them how to really design by moving things exactly. around, but you've given them the building blocks. Right. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and people on both ends of the spectrum, like some folks are just making, you know, the exact blocks and the exact quilts that are in the book, just in their own fabric choices, which I think is awesome and beautiful people are totally making it you know the other direction and designing their own things based on the on the book so it's exciting to see both 
It is. It is. So I want to also just um, before we finish up, we have about two minutes. Um, you mm-hmm. are also one of the designers for Jane Davidson and my project called the Splendid Sampler. Um, did yes. you have? We had a lot of fun with your block. Um, what did you think? Yes. What did you think about that whole thing? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was so much fun! Um, what a fun event! I I had such a blast. Um, talk was called I, I don't remember it was a lemon on it, and I called it lemonade. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was fun, and and I really enjoyed you know all over the interwebs seeing everybody's box pop up every day. It was really exciting. Yeah, yeah. to get to see it, like, you know, just like the book is like, there's all kinds of different blocks, uh, of course, but those are all done yeah. by the, the different designers. Um, mm-hmm. Little bitty blocks, did you like working in six-inch blocks? Yeah, you know, it was an interesting, it was kind of um, out of my zone, because I'm always, I don't know why it is, I'm always doing the 12-inch, I, I guess it's mm-hmm. just the most common size, but... My um, block of the month club, the sugar block club, I do 12-inch blocks, and we do 12-inch mm-hmm. blocks and Craftsy, and because all, you know, so the 6-inch was really fun and kind of out of the zone, little yeah. pieces, and mine had some little curves, which were, you know, fun, but it's so quick, you know, a 6-inch block, I mean, you just whip it up. Um, yeah, it's easy to try techniques that's the same thing with your your book the exactly. quilt block book it's got different mm-hmm. techniques so yeah. try it yeah. right yeah right um blocks are low commitment that's that's what i love about them like you it's quick it's small you try. and if you uh if the one Not, isn't you're speaking moving to on. you try another that's try right. another yeah yeah just a quick little quick little project so. Well, Amy, this has been so much fun. Tell people where they can find you, um, you know, yes. where you do most yeah. of your stuff. Sure. Yeah, my website is stitcherydickerydoc.com. So I have some fun stuff on there. I sell patterns and, you know, just some inspiration galleries. Um, like I said, the Sugar Block Club is my, my block of the month that I do. And um, so that's fun we're having that happening it's free and blocks are going up on the blog every month so yeah Super. over there stitcherydickerydoc.com dot com well thank you <laughs> amy com. so much thanks pat thanks for having me this has been fun yep now i gotta go make some blocks from this <laughs> right <laughs> We'll be Looking right back fresh, after the break. And fun, projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine.
Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. And just as I promised, I have Jennifer Keltner back to talk to me from about uh, behind the scenes of book publishing. Jennifer is the publisher and chief visionary office, officer of Martingale Books. Uh, and we are going to learn all the secrets today. Jennifer, thanks for coming back on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Pat. You know, when I've done a lot of books and you're my publisher uh, for my books. And so, you know, there is a lot that goes on that most people have no idea, which is fine. You know, they buy the gorgeous finished book. Um, but, you know, there's um, there's just so many steps. Would let's, what, How do we start? How do we start to explain that? Well, I think um, from my perspective... I like to think that books are sort of magic. It is kind of yeah. like that secret sauce that people um, enjoy, but they don't know what goes into it. But I think really um, at Martingale, we try to think about books as being the dream, the escape, the stories we tell ourselves about the quilts we want to make. We don't always buy a book thinking, I'm going to sit down tonight and make this quilt. Sometimes we buy a book because we want to look at the photographs and we imagine that it's something we'll make for a grandchild that we may not have yet. Or we're going to make quilts for all of our kids and we're going to have a quilt on every bed in our house and these are the quilts we're going to make someday. Um, But it's not always about just making a finished project tonight necessarily. So we try to keep that in mind as we package um, projects to put together in a book. And then I think the other thing that makes a book magic is really that you get that author's voice. You get to take them home with you and you get inside their head and find out how they do what they do and how they piece and what their tips and tricks are to make you a better quilter. And um, it's important to have both of those things, sort of the dream and the how-to, together in a book to create that magic. You know, I thought we'd just do it sort of in, like, order of the kind of big things that happen. You know, try to pack okay. it into, like, 10 minutes. Um, okay. So when the when the concept starts, you know, there are so many different types of designers out there. How does a concept get started at your end as the publisher? Right. There are really two parts to that for us. I'm always looking at the mix on our publishing schedule, which is our upcoming list of books, both by author and by topic. And we need a balance of inspiration and ideas versus projects and techniques. Ultimately, the authors themselves or the designers have to answer the question about what is the book about? You know, why are they the one to write it? What makes it compelling? But we can help them as their publisher to differentiate that idea from others in the marketplace and really shape the narrative for the book. So, The proposal process is really a team of editorial, marketing, and sales, and all parts of that, from our perspective, need to buy into the idea before we add a book to our pub schedule. Yeah. So so once you decide that, you know, somebody sent in a proposal from your website, which they can find all the details there about how to do that, then you have read it. What happens after you decide, yes, we want to go to the next step? So we have two acquisitions editors on staff that help authors from the time their concept goes through proposal to the point where they complete a manuscript. And they actually write all the parts of the book. They make the quilts or they have a team of people working with them to make the quilts and finish them. And then at turn-in, that author transitions to our editorial and design content team. And those are the people who will turn that manuscript into a book by creating a book layout for it and by deciding how the tips 
and extras in the book are going to be featured, and the order of the book and sort of the pacing as you go through it. Um, if you have listeners who are interested in finding out about book proposal guidelines, if they have an idea for a book they'd like to submit, if they go to shopmartingale.com, along the bottom of the homepage, there's a help and information line that you can click on, and there you'll find all the information and details on submitting a book proposal. It's um, it is just the most fun process ever. You know, I've done over thirty, and it ne- I don't ever tire of it. Um, and I am always amazed by what the publisher produces. <laughs> you guys do an incredible job. Just well, thank you. It, but you also do a tremendous amount of work, and I think that's really the key to working with an author as a book publisher is that it's a partnership. It's a collaboration between your ideas and your vision of what it could be and our ability to sort of create out of your vision a book that's compelling that people have to have to take home. Yeah, and you also tailor them to the author, which is, you know, wonderful because they're not just blanket all the same, you know. Absolutely. We- How long does it usually take from the time somebody sends a proposal? Well, at a minimum, it takes about 12 months Mm -hmm. from the time we get a completed manuscript and all the quilts. At a maximum, I mean, I've worked with authors for over 24 months. If the idea is just really a nugget or a twinkle in their eye and they haven't started making anything yet, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really depends at that point on the designer or the author and how quickly they can turn things around and how much work or thought they've put into it before we, you know, start talking about it. So I would say 12 to 24 months on average. So what is the real inside scoop that happens? You know, like how many people, you know, you have to put out a lot of money to do this too. It's not like it just uh, falls from the sky. Right. Oh, would that we had a money tree. That would be awesome. Um <laughs> But probably more time and energy goes into creating a book than most people think. I would say for an average book, as a publisher, we we invest more than $50,000 in people and paper and printing and binding before we even sell the first copy. So um, I laugh sometimes when I'm at places and people will be like, do you know how expensive printer ink is for my printer at home? Well, you know, I always want to say yes, yes, I do. Now multiply that ink, you know, by – how many thousands of books are printed and you'll better understand what makes a large portion of a a book's cost up. I think people might also be surprised to know the number of people that go into making a book. In addition to the author, there's a technical editor who helps the author sort of work through all the math and and the yardages and the fractions and all the things that people don't want to do for themselves. We try to do. Um, The designer, the copy editor, proofreader, a production manager, photographer, marketing copywriter and designer, sales and customer service, the warehouse shippers, even the payroll manager who makes sure that all the folks get paid for their work. So having a publisher for your book is really like hiring a team to help you bring a book to market. Mm -hmm. And we have the relationships that can help authors get their books onto store shelves and into the hands of quilters so authors don't have to print and mail them out one at a time. We have uh, 24 employees here at Martingale, and we're an employee-owned company, so it's a pretty small company, and we're producing 48 books a year on average, plus a pretty large backlist of titles that continue year after year. Yeah. So I I didn't ask you this in in advance to get a number, but how many books has Martingale published? Do you have any idea, like, from the beginning? Oh, probably in the neighborhood of 
1,450. And I only say that because, uh, and that's a pretty specific number, but we <laughs> give our number our books a B number. So if you look on the mm-hmm. back of a book, it'll say, you know, uh, B1360 oh, yeah. or something. And that B number is actually the book number. And every book, it's a unique digit. And I think I looked at a book the other day that was like B1430. So there's probably 20 in line after that one. So we're yeah. getting close to the 1500 mark. And we've been wow. around for 30 years. Yes. Wow. Holy cow. Now, you also have a few other um, things that you publish that are not like pattern books. One are, is your what I would call coffee table books. Um, right. What, uh, what goes into those? How are they different? So those are new to Martingale. Uh, the first one we published was in the fall of 2015, and the second one has just come out this August of 2016. Um, the first one was called Stitches to Savor, and it featured the work of artist Sue Spargo. And the second one is a common thread by the artist Gwen Marston. And our coffee table books are hardcover books that are not project books, but they're just beautiful, what I call eye candy or inspiration. They're really detail-rich photos of the quilts and close enough photos that you can see the stitching, you can see the hand quilting of Gwen's things, um, you can see Sue's exquisite embroidery stitches. And for people who just want to sit back with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and imagine the possibilities or quilters who enjoy looking at color and shape, um, take form, you don't necessarily have to make any of these things that are featured in the book. Gwen's is a retrospective of about 50 years of her quilting work. I think people who know her, yeah, for her liberated quilt making will be surprised to see that in her early years she was doing um, almost Amish-looking quilts and working with applique in a very traditional form. Mm -hmm. And um, Sue's is a retrospective of probably, you know, 15 or 20 years of her work. And again, you can really see her stitches and her embellishments over time. So, to me, they're some of the most fun books that we create because they're all about the beauty of the work and the artistry that those artists do. And so we'll have a third one coming out in 2017, and it's by um, Minnick and Simpson of Moda, and it's all blue and white, and it'll be focused on blue and white quilts, blue and white rugs, and home decorating with textiles that you love. Oh, my gosh. I, that will be um, – they're just gorgeous. I have um, I have them all so far. That's <laughs> – That's what we like to hear. If you get the first one, you definitely Uh, need the second one and the third one and so on. Yes, of course. It's it's a series. You have to have them all. Uh, There you go. So the other thing, Jennifer, that um, Martingale does are are really wonderful calendars. Um, so every year you put out a couple of different calendars. Are those? Do they have patterns in them all the time? Some of them do and some of them don't. We have uh, that Patchwork Place calendar, which is the imprint for Martingale for all of our quilting books. And that one does have 12 projects and 12, cal- or, and 12 months, ironically, right, for an mm-hmm. annual calendar. Um, then we have another one for 2017 that is a, a companion to that coffee table book we were talking about. It's Stitches to Savor. And it's really an at-a-glance calendar. It's got beautiful photography and artwork um, by Sue Spargo, but it's not a pattern calendar. It's just something beautiful to look at. And as I put it, it's not the calendar you write on. It's the one you look over on the wall and say, you want to come the third Thursday in January? Sure, that looks like it'll work. Um, and then we have a third calendar this year uh, that will be good forever because it's a perpetual calendar, and it's the new Hexagon by Katja Marek. And it's got 365 blocks. 
Um, and that's what the cover says, but it actually is 366 because we planned ahead for leap year. Whenever that happens again, ah. you won't miss February 29th. So there's 366 hexagon blocks. And if you were a fan of the new hexagon book or of Katja Marek's Millie Fiore Quilt Along or any of her things that she's done centered around hexagons, this is even more of that. And it is a desk calendar with a spiral binding where you flip January to July and then you turn the calendar around and go back the other way for the last six months of the year and um you can make hexagons every day yeah every day because they're that quick that's, that's right and it's all english paper piecing so i mean yeah. people who love english paper piecing really seem to love it so um that calendar is all focused on epp yeah it's very very fun well jennifer thank you for this behind the scenes look thanks so much for having me pat i appreciate it you can visit um, Martingale at, out at shopmartingale.com. Uh, this is Pat Sloan for American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. We will be back next week. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. If you are working toward losing weight or if you want to maintain your current weight, be sure that you're not drinking your daily calories. Researchers have found that most of us get 20% of our daily calories from what we drink. Many times, we're not even aware of how many calories we're consuming by drinking. A popular fast food restaurant sells chocolate milkshakes that are a whopping 1,000 calories. A large white chocolate blended cream frappuccino has 630 calories, and that is without whipped cream on top. Drinks sweetened by added sugars compared to those naturally sweetened drinks are almost identical in calories, so watch out for fruit juices. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening.